in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I am your host, Jonathan Strickland. Today, I am incredibly fortunate. I have not one, but two amazing guests to talk about our topic of discussion today, which is really going to be about Amazon's Alexa service and what it can do, what what it's like to develop for it, and why should we be excited about these voice recognition services in general? Uh, I guarantee you by the end of this episode, you'll be as excited about them as I already am. So let me introduce my guests first. On the phone, I've got Dave Izbitsky from Amazon. Hi, Dave. Hey, how you doing? Great. Thank you so much for joining me. Really Thanks appreciate it. And I, here in the studio, in the flesh... Josh Skeen from Big Nerd Ranch. Now, Josh, you've been working on developing sort of the 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 how-to guide of developing for Amazon's Alexa. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I've been working with David and, and others at Amazon to build uh, some developer education tools uh, to write apps for the Alexa Skills Kit platform with. Now, this is great. I'm glad that I've got two experts on the subject here because uh, I do lots of research and I love to chat about technology and I'm very passionate about the subject. But it's always a great thrill for me to have experts on the subject matter here as well so that they can even fill in those gaps that are within my understanding because I'm coming from a, a consumer standpoint primarily. I am not someone who has had a deep uh, education in the field of coding and developing for this sort of stuff. Uh, I have a liberal arts degree, but I, I'm so glad to have you guys here to talk about. It. Let's start at the very top and work our way down. So Alexa is a, a, a kind of a personal assistant that can do lots of different stuff and depends heavily upon uh, voice recognition, speech recognition, natural language processing. And I don't think... A lot of people have a true understanding or appreciation of how big a deal that is, that the way we humans communicate and the way that computers quote unquote think is very different. So, Dave, can you talk a little bit about the challenges of developing something that can actually work with natural language? Certainly. I um and and thank you for the intro. I uh I love talking about technology too and I am far from an expert. This has been a uh, a learning journey for me. There are people who have been working on voice and natural language and AI for 30 plus years and I feel like we're in a sea change now with the power of the cloud mm-hmm. and just how affordable you know everybody um you may have a tablet or you may have a smart home. Just that technology has become so affordable for everybody that we can finally do something like this. And Amazon's vision is basically the Star Trek computer. If everybody remembers, uh, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, the next generation, the original series, Deep Space Nine, any, or the movies, right? There was always a voice that a human being could just call out to in the air. Uh, I remember watching Next Generation and, uh, Worf would go and play, uh, opera, right? Klingon opera right. or Picard would, would ask for music just, and, and they would walk in the room. And I was just thinking about that the other day, walking into my office. I was like, gosh, I'm asking a computer to turn on the lights and play a piece of music. This is, we are living, uh, in science fiction, right? And so that's the basic idea behind Alexa. 
is it is a service from Amazon that we make available to anyone mm-hmm. for free. Uh, and we've put it into actual pieces of hardware that we make and we sell to Amazon customers as well. And uh, some of your listeners may know that as the Amazon Echo, the Dot, the Tap, or the Fire TV. Mm-hmm. And the basic premise is that Alexa can understand us as a human being and then she can talk to all the technology in our lives so that we don't have to learn that user interface, you know, the whole 12 o'clock blinking light. How do I go ahead and change that? I should be able to just ask the device itself to set the time. Right. Uh, I should not have to worry about that as a human being. And that's really what Alexa is all about. She can talk to human beings. She can understand human beings. And uh, then she can go ahead and tell machines what we're actually asking for. Now, this is really important to have that sort of translator between us and the machine world. One of the things that I found extremely frustrating early in the era of home automation is that it was an all or nothing kind of approach, depending upon what you wanted to do. You had to essentially go with one provider for everything, one manufacturer for all of your stuff, because it wouldn't talk to each other. You had different protocols. You had different uh, uh, approaches to the way that they would integrate with each other. And if you had everything from one company, awesome. Everything talks to each other. It's fantastic. But if you're like a regular human being who can't necessarily outfit an entire home all at once with the same sort of right. uh, technologies, right. you want it to be able to talk to each other. So I think one of the big, in my mind, one of the big bonuses of an approach like Alexa is the idea that you have this go-between that can do that work for you, where it can start to compensate for the fact that these technologies don't natively talk to each other necessarily. Um, right. The great thing about standards is there's so many of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that, you know, the, the term standard means the opposite of what you would expect it to be. <laughs> and, um, and, and that is one of the most popular uses we have seen, uh, for the, the Echo device. I know that was my journey too, is I started out, you know, I used it, uh, for music and general queries and I said, you know, I, I heard this thing can do stuff with smart home. I have no idea what smart home is. I have no idea what any of these terms like IOT, right, Internet of Things, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I want a light I can turn on. Mm-hmm. So I went to Amazon and I searched for smart light bulb, uh, I think is what I found. And it was, yeah, I think it was 15, 20 bucks. I figured I'd order it and, and see if it would work. And there was, you know, kind of a general instruction on the Amazon site. But what you can actually do with Alexa is you get the device and you say, Alexa, discover devices. And then she figures out what you put into your home. You don't have to go and figure that out. And we found enough customer demand uh, that we've actually created. If you go to Amazon.com slash smart home, people can go there and they'll see all of the smart home devices that Alexa can just talk to and uh, will automatically work. So it makes it a much easier process versus trying to figure out all the individual pieces to buy, who talks to who, and everything that you mentioned. You can just go ahead and, and put a light screw in a light bulb and be able to talk to it. No, that's incredible from a consumer standpoint, right? The idea that you've made this sort of a seamless uh, experience so that you don't have that frustrating moment where even with something as simple as Bluetooth pairing, for some people right. that that is 
that is a barrier, right? That they have to yep. wait. Do I have to on each device? When the light is blinking, it means that I, I what's happening. You know, just something as simple as that can be really frustrating for some people. So to take that step away uh, is really, really uh, an ingenious and helpful thing to do. Now, now, Josh, you've worked very hard to help with the back end of this so that people who are developing for Alexa can take advantage of this and and give people chance to make Alexa do some pretty incredible things. So first of all, I got to I got to lay down some vocabulary, right? Before we started recording, you talked about how uh, a, a thing on your phone, you refer to it as a skill and you think, oh, well, that's because I'm so deep in this Amazon world, skills and <laughs> apps. Right. So so tell people, what, what exactly is an uh, Alexa skill? Well, it's interesting. Skill, the term you think initially, uh, a skill is something that you acquire or learn over time. And I believe that Amazon used that terminology as a nod towards really the machine learning aspect of mm-hmm. what they offer in the cloud, right? Um, which is, and David was speaking to this a bit uh, ago, um, you know, the machine learning component of what uh, the Amazon service offers. Mm-hmm. And that is the incredibly um, complex problem, right, of taking uh, spoken words and resolving them to a format that uh, software can actually work with mm-hmm. and um, treat in a predictable way. Um, you have to imagine all of the uh, timing, the inflection, the variation, just regional differences uh, that someone's going to ask for something. And then also you have to think about all of the various ways that someone could ask for the exact same things. It's an astronomical number of ways that that can happen. Sure. <laughs> and it's the Alexa Skills Kit platform that actually resolves that problem um, in a lot of ways um, for you. So I believe that's why they, they chose that terminology. It makes sense, right? And actually, Amazon's corpus, uh, a corpus, by the way, to throw another technology stew word <laughs> into the mix, um, <laughs> is really a collection of data. And mm. Amazon, their service, offers uh, a large collection of that data, uh, which is ever-increasing, by the way, um, that simplifies the problem of resolving that speech and converting it into um, what what the platform calls an intent, which is really an indication of something that someone would like to do at a given time. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, if you think about it from a classical computing standpoint, if you wanted your computer to do something specific, uh, let's go back to the DOS days. We're not going to go all the way back. We'll go back to DOS days because that's, that's my childhood. Uh, <laughs> then you would type in a command and and the computer knew exactly what you wanted to do as long as the actual program is installed on your computer. Because you're following a, a very specific protocol that does not vary. That's it's right. Always going to be the same. It's a one-to-one thing. It's a textual interface and very consistent. Yes, but when you get to di- two two different people, just just two people, and you just want them to ask for the same thing, but you're not guiding them in how to ask that same for that same thing. That's where you start getting into this uh, this this variability. And even if they are both saying the exact same phrase. If they're from my neck of the woods, right. there might be a bit of a drawl. That's right. <laughs> if, they're, if they're up over in Maine, it's going to be a different sound. If they're if they're a non-native English speaker, they might be in a, an inflection in their voice from whatever language was their primary language. So these are all non-trivial exactly. problems, actually, uh, in the in the programming world. Yeah. So there's that problem, and then there's also, and Amazon refers to this as the interaction model, mm-hmm. which is the number of variances in how someone could ask for something. Right. 
And the platform takes a fuzzy matching approach to solving that problem, right? So mm. instead of providing an exhaustive list of all of the various ways that someone could ask for getting information for an airport, for example, mm-hmm. um, instead they use a uh, artificial intelligence approach to that problem and generalize a set of training data that you actually provide as a developer uh, to, to simplify that problem down. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, because the first thing I was guessing was like, I wonder if it's going to be probabilistic. If it's one of those things where it assigns a probability that I'm pretty sure this is what they're asking for. So let's go for that. That. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We've talked about that with some of the other artificial intelligence uh, platforms out there, things like IBM's Watson being a very simple example, right? right? Simple in the sense that it's easy to understand. It's actually a pretty complicated machine, as it turns out. But the fact that you would say, all right, well, when it was playing Jeopardy, it would never buzz in unless that certainty was greater than like an 80% threshold. And once you explain to people, that's what we mean by probabilistic, where a computer is determining, well, how, how quote unquote, sure am I that this is the intent of the person giving the command, right. then act upon it. Uh, one of the things I wanted to also mention about Alexa's skill, so we talked about how it's it's voice commands, right, that you're giving it. These have uh, their own kind of uh, anatomy, right? You've got uh, the the skill where how, how you activate the skill itself, uh, what you call upon in order to make the skill happen. And um, I, I wonder if you could maybe go into just a little bit like it might not be something that the end user would necessarily think about, but developers would think about. Yeah, no, exactly. I, the, you know, it's got its own grab bag of terminology, but it's really not that complicated once you get past those initial things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so as a developer coming to the platform, the first thing that I asked was, well, what in the heck is the name of my app or skill, I mean, mm-hmm. um, and updating that in my mind. Uh, and that is called the invocation name on the platform. Mm-hmm. So what that invocation does is it invocation name does is it maps a user's word. Basically, I, I think of it as a namespace. Like I came to, a, you know, uh, Alexa skills kit development as a Java developer mm-hmm. and being able to give package names or namespaces um, to classes in, as a Java developer is very helpful. Um, and really, that's what it does. Uh, a, an invocation name. So, for example, um, in our class uh, at Big Nerd Ranch that we built for for Amazon, we, we've given uh, we've built a skill to give you information about airports. Mm-hmm. And um, you you say, Alexa, ask airport info for flight delays at ATL, for example. Mm-hmm. That airport info word or words is an invocation name. So that initially brings up the skill. It launches it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got uh, sample utterances. Um, I mentioned that you train, um, I, I kind of think of it as a brain in the cloud um, that lives in the cloud to do our bidding for us uh, for resolving those spoken words. Uh, those sample utterances are what effectively resolve what someone's asking for to an indication or an intent that we'd like to ask for airport information. Mm-hmm. And Amazon's made some really smart decisions about making that a, a, a black box effectively as a developer. All we do is provide that training data, and on the other side, we get an indication of what came out. Um, we're not required to, you know, set up a, a machine learning server or, a, you know, artificial intelligence or deal with any of those algorithms that 
uh, who knows how many countless uh, engineers and hours Amazon has invested into building that infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've got that as a tool uh, to resolve the information down to something that our skill service uh, can work with. So with an Alexa skill, you've got a skill interface and a skill service. The skill interface is where this brain that I keep mentioning lives. And the skill service is, it's really anything that can speak HTTPS. Okay. Um, Now, with our class, we're using Node.js, which is, you know, it's JavaScript on the server side. Um, Everybody's written a dab of JavaScript here or there. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so it's an easy language for people to uh, pick up and get into if you've done, you know, any web development, you've likely got some JavaScript exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really an extension upon that using uh, some, you know, you've got some additional things like file IO and um, being able to write to a database using Node. Uh, but with that JavaScript layer, we get events from the skill interface mm-hmm. and we're able to process those events and then send a message back using JSON, right? Java, JavaScript object notation mm-hmm. um, to the to the device and she's able to speak uh, speak our response. Pretty cool. This is really. Hey, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Dave. Please go ahead. I was just going to say to um, to to add on to that, you can think of it in terms of you know we we talked before about Alexa translating human language uh, into a way that she can talk to technology. Mm-hmm. It is the same uh, when third party developers go ahead and enhance what she can understand through skills. So um, if you are an Amazon customer. Mm-hmm. And you have an Echo, and you talk to your Echo, and perhaps you're using what uh, Josh described, where you're using a starting phrase uh, and a la- uh, invocation name to launch something like, uh, let's say, Fitbit or Uber or your your Domino's Easy Order. Mm-hmm. Your voice goes to Amazon. Your voice is never shared with a third-party developer. You should think of Alexa uh, almost as that friend that can. And not only translate to other pieces of technology, but she can talk to all of these third-party developers who have their own technology. Uh, and so, in essence, for for Fitbit, uh, when you talk to her, she understands that you're asking, uh, you know, how did you do today? And then she goes and she talks to Fitbit, and Fitbit says, oh, you know, we have these servers and we have all these datas, and and, and we know we, uh, you know, we we know you're a customer. We're going to return that. Mm-hmm. So go tell that customer this, and then Alexa goes and she tells you uh, the information that Fitbit had for you. So in in, in essence, it is translating between those things. And uh, you mentioned before the the probability. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very interesting as human beings uh, when we have a conversation, we we're constantly making choices like that too. I bring all of my experience to this podcast today, right? So when we're having a conversation, it's based on all the years that I've had a conversation and the understanding of what those words actually mean. Uh, and there's a lot of things that go on set. So, for example, we all know what time of the day it is, where we are. Uh, we know where we live. We know what country we're in. Uh, I know, uh, you know, I know how to stand up. I know what eyes and nose look like. I know what a computer is. I knew what when you referenced DOS. Uh, a lot of uh, machine learning is that a computer doesn't necessarily have that context. Right. And, and so when you're a third-party developer, uh, you know, the um, the interaction model that Josh described, basically think of it like uh, you and I are going to have a discussion around a new topic today. Maybe it's something to do with fitness. Mm-hmm. And so we all, you know, we all go look at a wiki or maybe we look at Reddit and we define all the terms and then you and I can can have a conversation and actually understand all of that. And so that's what you're basically setting up 
uh, when you want to add an additional skill to Alexa is, hey, here's all the terms. And when people ask for it like this in language, uh, here's what I want you to tell me that they asked. And Dave, you touched upon something early on in that, too, that I think is uh, interesting and important to point out. The idea that uh, with with you communicating to Alexa, your information is going to Amazon. It's not being propagated across the Internet willy-nilly, being spread everywhere. Right. That also ends up being a, an important part of some of the restrictions around the types of skills that Amazon will accept for Alexa. One being that they there aren't going to be... Uh, uh, child ones ones for children specifically because there is a very real concern about privacy and information particularly for children who may not fully understand or recognize the importance of that Uh, so are there other restrictions on the types of skills amazon is going to uh, accept i would imagine that anything that was uh against the law right out the door not happening (laughs) yeah you know um in the scenario that you described, because Alexa today has no way to distinguish between different voices. So if we had an echo in the room mm-hmm. uh, and I was talking and you were talking, that is both a human being. It's it's language she cannot differentiate. So she cannot differentiate whether it is a child asking for something right. or an adult. And because of that, uh, and, you know, there are COPA regulations and, and everything else when it comes to mobile and web existing today. We want to make sure that we're honoring that and mm-hmm. that we are. Uh, protecting folks. Um, your um, uh, uh, second question around um, if there's anything else that we're not necessarily allowing, I think um, there are, the guidelines are very similar. So we do have a, an Android app store today, an Amazon app store, which has very similar policy. So it is something that Amazon's been in that, that space for sure. years, and we've kind of learned as we've gone through, uh, we just launched an update to the Alexa skills section uh, where we have categories, and those categories are very similar to what people would expect uh, in a mobile app store for, you know, games, technology, things like that. So, uh, you know, it's very, uh, it's got to be PG-13 and G, you know, no <laughs> R-rated content no or anything like right. that. And sure, no, sure. Uh, um, personally identifiable information, uh, you would not, you, you know, we're very careful about if you keep asking people, all about them. Why are you asking about them? And you better have a privacy policy for that, that somebody has allowed you uh, mm-hmm. to ask for that information. Uh, we do not share any information about you. We don't share device information. Um, although, you know, developers, are, uh, of course, keep asking uh, for those things. You know, they want to know, is this coming from an Echo or a mobile app? Because Alexa will run in anything. So there are uh, apps for the iPhone, apps for Android, where you can talk to Alexa and get access to all your skills. You can get access to all of your smart home functionality as well using the same familiar uh, Alexa experience. See, and, I, and I'm glad you were able to, to address that. I think that that actually is a very important thing for any platform to do well. You do actually... It, it seems counterintuitive, but you do need to have those guidelines and restrictions there. And uh, if you ever want to see... What can happen if you don't put them there? You can look at some pretty dramatic lessons we've learned through things like Microsoft Tay, which was certainly not <laughs> intended to turn into a big problem. It was 
the the intention the intent was how long was did that last for like a day and 20, a half 24 hours the plug? it was yeah. 24 hours <laughs> and then they pulled the plug yeah i did a full episode of microsoft Tay, so i'm not going to go back and do that obviously i'm not going to ask either of you to com- comment on that any more than <laughs> but just to just to say like if you have a system and you don't have those restrictions in um, it, it, we are all in many ways like children and sometimes as children you want to test boundaries and if you ha- find there are no boundaries problems happen so <laughs> i'm in favor of boundaries personally that's actually one thing uh that amazon has done a really good job of is curating the experience as well right. um you know they they literally um a- as you submit your skill um, audit that skill pretty thoroughly and pretty rigorously to make sure that it conforms to good voice user experience guidelines. Well, and, and when you're talking about a device that that you know people think of as listening to you, obviously you have a great responsibility That's in right. order to provide an experience that isn't going to be negative in any way. Uh, knowing that you know you have to take a lot of time and effort to make certain that. You avoid any problems that could come later down the line. I mean, that's got to be a pretty, pretty top concern from Amazon. Yeah, that was, um, you know, very, very important for us, uh, at Amazon when we created the device. And so, uh, if you're not using an Echo, you're using another device, uh, you know, maybe it's a mobile app or, uh, you know, maybe it's in the car or in a clock radio. Mm-hmm. All of those devices are pushed to talk. So those devices are never listening unless you hit a button. Mm-hmm. If you have an Echo device, you have the ability to hit a mute button. And when you hit a mute button, you actually see a red ring that goes around the outside letting you know. Uh, and we do cut power to the microphone as well uh, when you hit that. Otherwise, Alexa is never listening unless she hears her name. So when you say Alexa, then we begin to record your voice. Uh, your voice, again, is only sent to Amazon. We do not send that to third parties. And then you can open the Alexa app itself. You can see every single thing that you've ever said uh, uh, to Alexa after you've said Alexa and and then talk. Uh, And then you also have the ability to delete any one of those. Or if you'd like, you can contact us and remove your entire history as well. So we do put all the control into the customer's hands. And obviously that was was great foresight on on the part of Amazon cuz you could easily imagine that if you did not build that into your design from the ground up that you would uh, you would very quickly realize the need for that and it yeah. would, and that that that's not a good feeling <laughs> I think in any of this this scenario because it is very new uh for people it's about building up trust yes uh, and it's about you know uh I use terminology of crawling mm-hmm. then walking and then running and I think uh, as a technologist I always want to run uh, but it's important in a space like this to start out crawling, even if that means you're limiting what you can actually do with the device. And one of the, you know, the things that I feel, uh, is a sign that that's been a success is that people come and they ask for more. You know, now they, hey, I want Alexa to do more. It's okay. You know, give me permission. I want it to control this. I want it to control that. And gee, it would be great if we called, like, so people are now, they're fine with the fact that they can talk. To Alexa, now I want Alexa to do even more. I want Alexa to wake up and start talking to me, even if I haven't talked to her, which is something, you know, that she doesn't do today. She will never interrupt you or start talking out of nowhere unless you first uh, engage. And I think that's a sign of customer trust and people getting excited about where the technology is headed. That's pretty cool. Uh, I also want to say something else that I think is really cool 
Um, you guys might disagree, and many of my <laughs> listeners may disagree. But I, so I, I went back and I was looking at uh, there are blogs for specifically for Alexa developers, which I I recommend my listeners go out check out those blogs. They are not written in a way that is. Uh, that's so dense or so technical that they are inaccessible. They are very accessible. And I read over quite a few of them before we had this conversation. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up, while they are incredibly helpful and technical, one of the examples that was used in, uh, in one of the blog posts spoke to a deep core within me where it was actually being used to explain what is a launch phrase, what is an invocation name. And it was about... Um, using Dungeon Dice D20 for... Um, ah, that was me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, as a hardcore D&D fan from way back, I I hung out with Gary Gygax, creator of oh, Dungeons wow. & Dragons. Yeah. I'm afraid oh, I'm on goodness. a 5th edition campaign uh, right now, <laughs> oh, actually, uh, playing I, uh, a half-elf warlock, if I so this watch up. out. If I hold this up, let's not talk about D&D too much. To see the video. That yes. is, you see all my D&D manuals uh, right there? Those I are can, my originals. I can report that Dave, in fact, does have a stack uh, approximately, looks like about two feet tall, of uh, D&D manuals <laughs> behind him. Um, First so, yeah. edition all the way through uh, second. Oh, Dave, you and me, man. Are we all we D&D back. nerds here? <laughs> we are oh, in this room, well, in this room and on the phone. Uh, yeah, so uh, that was one of those things. Well, I like that the examples you guys give are interesting. They are easy to understand. You And you also, it's outside of that initial reaction I think a lot of people would have. When they hear the word Amazon, of of course, their first thought is going to go toward online shopping. And they're thinking, oh, well, this is going to be an app that just makes it easier for me to buy things. But then you get into something like this, and you're like, well, no, this is, here's something where, imagine you've got a table, and, you know, you don't have a metric ton of dice weighing the table down. You actually have an app, and you can just call on it any time you need and then that becomes incorporated into your game. It's almost like Alexa is playing the game with you, and people start to realize, oh, there's other stuff yeah. this can do that that, aren't, that isn't related to buying things. I, I personally think yeah. one of the cool decisions Amazon made with this is really treating it like an interface. And mm-hmm. as a developer, implementing that interface, you know, uh, for your purposes is really what the platform is is great at. I mean, at work, for example, we had a hackathon recently, and um, I wrote a, a service in Elixir to be able to control, and this runs on a Raspberry Pi, to be able to control the servo locks um, on all of the doors in our building. And awesome. I recently was able to write a skill that interacts with that Raspberry Pi via um, the web to open the door um, when we see a visitor come by. So the platform <laughs> is totally open as a developer. And and uh, there's something else I wanted to touch on as well that is mentioned in the blogs and we've kind of touched, talked about a little bit. It's that the, the coding side of this, it is a server side, not a device side, not a client side right. kind of, of service. Josh, can you talk a little bit about about why that is, just for people who might wonder, like, well, why would all this be, why would all the, the, the hard work, the crunching of numbers, if you will, why is that happening in the cloud and not on, on a, a dedicated device? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think there are a couple of really solid reasons right away you can list. I, for one, um, you know, the fact that the Amazon Echo, 
you'll likely have numerous devices. Mm -hmm. And being able to enable that skill and have it in the cloud um, is an instantaneous thing um, Mm -hmm. across all of those devices, right? So I think that's one really solid reason that Amazon went with that architecture. The other reason is moving everything to the cloud, right? Keeping it on that infrastructure. It allows for Amazon to iterate incredibly quickly on that skill interface side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not having that constraint to the device and worrying about shipping new hardware to make changes um, over time. Amazon can simply change out that inter- inter- uh, interface and interaction model, um, uh, you know, uh, pretty much seamlessly. Um, and it works um, incredibly well. Cool. That, and that's a, that's a big part of it. It also enables, um, you know, third-party developers to host their own services wherever they want on whatever technology they want. It doesn't have to be in the Amazon cloud uh, using any language that they want. And uh, we knew, you know, uh, we thought of some pretty interesting things for Alexa, but we knew we really need to, cr- in essence, crowdsource mm-hmm. her ability to get smarter. Uh, and there's now over 1,500 skills out there today by uh, third-party developers uh, who are creating things with, uh, you know, like Josh described, about controlling doors and putting things in Raspberry Pis and, and robots and drones and uh, health, yeah. health and life sciences and doctor's offices and, and hospitals and games and virtual reality, you know, things that we never uh, would have been able to write ourselves that people have just taken yeah. uh, and they've run with it. And uh, I continue to be impressed every day by what, what people are doing. Yeah, exactly, Dave. I mean, y- you know, you can embed, uh, you know, uh, Alexa in, uh, if you're a hardware designer, you mm-hmm. can build your own version of Echo with extended capabilities. In fact, it could have a display or, you know, if you have visions about what that could be like, you can embed what's called Alexa voice services within that hardware and actually create your own version of the, of the Echo, which is incredibly powerful. Interesting. So let's talk a bit now, Josh, you, you work very closely over at Big Nerd Ranch at developing the, the kind of, uh, uh, curriculum that someone would who wants to develop for Alexa, they'd find it very helpful they, to, to actually learn how to code something and craft something. And you've mentioned before also that that one of the the test skills people will develop is one about uh, getting information about airports and uh, potential delays. Right. Let's let's kind of in a layman sense kind of walk through what is the process in general, of uh, of developing for Alexa. And then at the end of it, I think we can do a quick little demonstration. Alexa, by the way, oh, I, great. I, I didn't introduce her. <laughs> I feel like such a cad. Uh, I didn't introduce her, but she is also in the studio with us. So, Alexa, how are you doing today? Great. Ready to help. <laughs> and if you're listening, make sure you're muted. Although, uh, if you were already listening, your your echo has probably gone on several times. <laughs> yeah, my, my parents are going to send me a very mad email. My parents, by the way, they have they're the ones who asked me to do this podcast because my parents oh, own awesome. own an echo and they talk to it all the time and they demonstrate it to me all the time and uh the only reason i haven't picked one up yet is i've got to wait for my wife to go out of town just long enough so i can get it and incorporate it into everything so that when she comes back and sees that i bought it it's so awesome and incorporated and integrated that she would never want to get rid of it 
<laughs> yeah, I, I run the wife. I do the wife test with technology uh, as well, and Echo definitely passed. My fiance has slowly warmed up to it over time. <laughs> See, uh, I, she was resistant at first, but she's it. just accepted it into our home. I, I, step one is is get my wife uh, uh, comfortable with Alexa. Step two is to get her into a D and D campaign. <laughs> 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 All right, so so we're. I, I come to you, Josh. I, I just say I say I am interested in starting to develop for Alexa. What's kind of the process of uh, of of learning to develop and and the process of actually developing an, a a skill for Alexa? Yeah, and so uh, you mentioned earlier that you had read our blog mm-hmm. uh, and you followed that arc. It's um, as you get into the process, it's really a couple of things that you uh, get your brain wrapped around initially. You know, most developers are going to be coming from a graphical user interface background, right? right? I mean, that's the lay of the land these days, 99% of the applications being written, though that's changing, are all graphical. Right, because it's either meant for a smartphone screen or it's on a laptop or desktop. Yeah, uh, exactly. Once, once uh, Mac OS and, and, and Microsoft Windows really took hold, we started to see other types of uh, UIs disappear, and then we just began to assume that was the only way you could do things for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, you know, however, the paradigm, as we see, is changing. Uh, so the first thing to understand is the skill interface portion of what I consider to be a two-part thing. It's mm-hmm. a skill interface and then a skill service. Mm-hmm. The skill interface, uh, like I said, is responsible for resolving the user's words to the first step of building a skill, which is defining the interaction model. And so I consider that, consider that to be setting an invocation name, mm-hmm. which we talked about earlier. It's the name of your skill mm-hmm. um, and how a user is going to be communicating with it. So this is so that you can you can create a distinction between the skill that you are developing and every other skill that's out there on yeah. Uh, available on with Alexa. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's going to be unique to the skill that you're building. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon will, in fact, uh, not allow you to have, you know, of course, the, the same name uh, right. of another skill. That it, that introduces an interesting new, like, domain squatting type problem there, right. doesn't it? <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what will become of that. Yeah. At any rate, um, so in our class, for example, one skill that we teach you to write, uh, which gives you a pretty good cross-section of all the different capabilities of the platform is the airport info skill. Mm -hmm. So my first step would be defining the invocation name of airport info Mm -hmm. in Amazon's skill interface. Uh, And this is literally a web portal that you visit and configure um, in your web browser. So as you configure that, the next step that you get to is defining the sample utterances that as a developer, I need to hook into as a result of the resolution of what the interaction model said someone had just uh, spoken mm-hmm. into the device, mm-hmm. right? So this is the kind of magic that we were talking about earlier, the black box that Amazon offers you um, that leverages the artificial intelligence and machine learning, you know, the cutting-edge technology really there. Um, and we train that model up with sample utterances. Mm-hmm. So those sample utterances for airport information um, it's actually uh, – it's got a couple of different aspects. One is um, we want to be able to resolve the various ways that someone will ask for information about an airport. And then secondly, we've got to have a way to pass a variable into the application mm-hmm. um, or the skill. So I want to be able to, for example, determine if someone had said SFO or ATL um, right, they're asking about a specific airport code, right. and I need to be able to throw that into a variable. 
So the interaction model has a mechanism for doing that called a slot. And a slot is, it's kind of, um, it's Amazon's terminology for basically a variable assignment that we want to be able to do. Mm-hmm. So in that, in that set of sample utterances, we give um, uh, strings that represent how a user could ask for airport information. So I might ask for, uh, you know, Alexa, ask airport info for flight delays at ATL, um, for flight information at ATL, for delay status at ATL. Mm-hmm. You see the variations of ways that someone could ask for that info. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, like I said, it's generalized. So in other words, it's a fuzzy resolution between those phrases and um, an intent. So an intent is an indication of what someone would like your skill to do. Mm-hmm. And we want our skill to be able to give us information about an airport. And so the skill interface, once we've set up that sample utterances list and we've said, okay, the words that fall at this portion of what someone says are actually going to be dropped into this new thing called a slot. And I want to be able to have that as a variable on the second portion of building a skill, which is the skill service. So once the skill interface has done that work for me and sends the information of what it found, of what someone had said to the skill service, that's where we're in node land. Or like David said, it's really any programming language that can speak HTTPS and live on a server. Uh, One of the steps that actually happens at that point, too, is after you've set up everything that Josh talked about, in essence, uh, this is what I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Here's some examples of me using it in a sentence. That's where the computer science comes in. So that's where it runs in the cloud, and we actually do a bunch of, uh, you know, AI and machine learning and everything. It sits on top of Amazon Web Services, and we generate a lexicon and a language model. So it's right. it's all done ahead of time, and it's almost a, you know, me being a sci-fi geek, it's almost like the Matrix when Neo says, "Teach me kung fu," right. and then he's like, "I now know kung fu." That's the part that we do through the portal. So now Alexa knows Kung Fu uh, and she can talk to you about Kung Fu, but you actually have to build something to be able to respond to that. And that's what Josh is talking about now when we move on to the node piece. Right, yeah. So this is the magic black box in the cloud that has, you know, the cutting edge artificial intelligence technology that Amazon offers us um, on the interaction model side of things. Mm -hmm. And as a developer, I provide a training data uh, and when David said it sort of uh, prepares things ahead of time, it literally bakes that training data down into something that occurs, you know, in near real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that interaction is is very, very fast, and there's there's little to no latency. Um, and the reason is because they use that sample data to prepare a model ahead of time. It's uh, really cool. It's it's super cool. It, it's you know. We're we're living a, a sci-fi novel right now. I feel like I'm in Cryptonomicon or something. Well, it's it's, it's got to be exciting too to be a developer that gets to take advantage of that level of of uh, technology and not have to build it yourself. <laughs> like oh, to, yeah. to to develop oh, yeah. on top of something that has already got this amazing capability and on then... the shoulders of giants. I mean, we're <laughs> we're leveraging all of that platform and infrastructure and research that's that's occurred there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now there is a language model out in the cloud that knows all, all about rolling Dungeons & Dragon dice. Which is, I mean... It's a reassuring thought, isn't it? <laughs> I would say that that was critical. And you took critical good, hit. You took good initiative in, uh, in doing that. No. I know, I'm that sorry. This is terrible. I, I've lost my saving throw against being cool. It <laughs> has not 
uh, I if haven't you made that a one, throw she will actually, uh, she'll make a little scathing comment about you rolling a one. About really? How you that did is, some new uh, that that's that's entirely why I wrote it. So I could, it could holler at my, <laughs> make light of my kids rolling some dice if they hit one. That's and she'll say, hey, do you have a Vorpal sword? Uh, if you hit 20. Oh, nice. Because right, yeah. off the head. There you go. <laughs> uh, so... All right, so you you get to this point where you've you've defined what it is you you know you, in code you've defined what it is that uh, the action that needs to happen, um, and you've you've built yeah, it. Yeah, so out. we've provided the training data in right. the interaction model, right? And we've mm-hmm. said when you uh, hear words that are along the lines of a request for airport information, mm-hmm. I want you to send an airport info intent as part of a JSON payload to my skill service, mm-hmm. and I also want you to grab. I want you to wrap up what they said at this portion of that utterance into a variable that I can use on my skill service. Mm-hmm. Um, so the skill service in our class is living on um, – it's actually uh, another Amazon service called Lambda, um, uh, which is an HTTPS server that spins up and shuts down. It's kind of like Heroku if anyone's ever done Ruby on Rails development here. Mm-hmm. Heroku is a real go-to for handling the DevOps side of things. Um, and it's kind of an on-demand server platform that um, we're using in the class. Uh, and so on that, on that uh, AWS Lambda instance, we've written node code that handles parsing the HTTPS um, JSON payload that comes across from the skill interface. Mm-hmm. And it says, okay, I've gotten JSON information here, and I received an airport info intent. Um, and I've got a variable of ATL here. And with that information, I can then do what I will with it. I mean, I can I can go make a web request or uh, write to a database. I could call off to another service. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually what we do with Airport Info is we hit the Federal Aviation Administration's servers and request the status for ATL. Uh, then we build a string, which is what uh, Lex is going to respond with, and send it back to the skill interface. Uh, and that gets forwarded onto the device. So that's kind of the round trip of how a, an interaction with a skill would work and what we would do as the developer there. So got the skill interface, skill service, skill service responds to the interface and hands it back to the device. Now, for practical uh, experience, for, for the person who's actually using Alexa, obviously all of that information, while awesome, is not something that you have to worry about. If you did have to worry about it, then you would not really have a, a, a consumer product in your hands, you'd be a developer. <laughs> right. But uh, in order for you to understand what is, what's the end result with that, I thought it'd be cool. Josh, would you mind asking Alexa kind of to give an example of that app in action? Yeah, sure. So or that skill, I should say. I, have a, <laughs> I, have I don't a, worry about it. That's a common blunder initially coming into the thing. Yeah. I, I think I said app um, once today as well. So that's it's, all right. We don't have any app uh, swear jar. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. That's a good skill idea, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So let me uh, first let's unmute her. All right. So, okay. So, Alexa. Ask airport info for flight delays at ATL. There is currently no delay at Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an amazing day. (laughs) (laughs) Not only did we get to hear uh, voice recognition service work in real time on this show, but there are no flight delays at the Atlanta airport. <laughs> that may be a first exactly. there, actually. Yeah, um, it's fake. It's a demo. It's a demo. <laughs> it's, it's not calling. It's not really calling the airport. It's not calling the FAA. Uh, but this is this is really interesting. Again, showing just a very simple application. Uh, obviously, you could ask for lots of different things. Skill, you mean? 
uh, oh, sorry, skill. Uh, but you could ask for lots of different things, including like you, if you were curious about what's the weather going to be like, sure. what what is the time of day, uh, can you play my favorite playlist on such and such, all of these sort of things that are all uh, really just you know if you come up with an idea that could be. Uh, uh, Essentially, if you could if you could do it across a computer web browser, and if you're yeah. able to translate that into uh, an experience that works, especially speech um, in a speech role, then it's it's totally possible. And not only that, but I saw because I was curious about this. There are some things that we do with computers where if you were asking a question. You might need a little more information or a little bit more of a uh, – it might be a little difficult to explain something just simply in spoken word. Uh, I find that all the time doing an audio podcast that it can be kind of challenging to explain a certain concept without the use of visual aids. I saw that with Alexa, you could actually pair that with something like a, a display on an app where you can you can have a little more information about whatever the request is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Amazon also provides uh, a additional part of that response from the server called a card. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we sent that inf- information onto the skill interface, what would happen is we could pr- preserve or send additional info to the Alexa uh, companion app, which is in your browser, it's on your phone, it's on the Android and iOS uh, client that interfaces with it. Mm-hmm. And we'd have a history um, and additional info as well um, that we could display with that card mechanism. Right. Which, that's a great way of getting around uh, what could be a real challenge. I mean, that's something that because we've designed so much of our interaction to be primarily a visual experience, there's certain uh, tasks that you do that don't translate as easily into something that's audio-based. Yeah, it's a really interesting aspect of voice user interface design as well. I mean, it's such a um, ephemeral format. It's mm-hmm. it's here and then it's gone, and it's an interesting problem coming from you know the graphical user interface background that everybody's got. Um, I think being able to hook a little bit into the, the GUI side of things and persist data um, and allow people to refer to that back, um, you know, it, it does give uh, your skill legs beyond just that one interaction. Mm-hmm. You know, for situational um, experiences and on-demand info, voice is great. But being able to carry it uh, beyond that is also one of the things that the platform offers. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now. I have a question for both of you. I'm going to kind of start wrapping this up because uh, I feel like we've got a nice a nice foundation for a discussion here. And I, I think that it'll really uh, – it's really enlightening to understand like what are the challenges, not just the challenges, but what are the, the potential benefits of this kind of technology. My question to both of you, and it's a pretty simple one, is uh, what is your personal favorite skill that you've had a chance to play with <laughs> on Alexa? And Dave, I'm going to have you go first. Yeah, so um besides, you know, uh using the dice with my kids, the um the funniest one and this is this speaks I think a little bit to my maturity level is uh I have this skill enabled. It's called for a fart and you can ask for a fart and you will get one through Alexa. So I actually I have uh dots up so upstairs in my house. Yeah. I there's a, a dot in each one of my kids' rooms. Mm-hmm. And then I have a full echo in my bedroom, and there's actually a place in that upper hallway 
that I can say, Alexa, ask for a fart, and uh, there is a symphony <laughs> of musical toots returned across the entire upstairs, and I immediately hear, oh, Dad, not again. <laughs> a nice a nice chorus followed by groans. Uh, I can appreciate that. As someone who loves puns and, and groan-worthy and groan humor, um, yeah, that's fantastic. All right, so Josh, your, your answer. Hmm. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Well, I, I have to say... Um, on the pragmatic side of things, yeah. um, I have used the Lyft skill to great effect. Mm-hmm. So you just say, Alexa, ask Lyft for a ride, and guess what? A car shows up right. at your door, uh, ready to pick you up. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's such a good fit for the platform as well. Sure. I mean, you're walking out the door. You say, yeah, I don't want to get my phone out. Let's let's have a car show up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it happens. That's very convenient. <laughs> yeah. And there is a... Um, if you, you know, we talked a little bit about D&D. If you ever played, um, that goes all the way back into the old bulletin board systems days of Space Empire yeah. or anything like that. Yep. There is a skill called Starlanes by Joe Jaquinta that basically allows you to do that. And you can play, it's a multiplayer online Space Empire game through Alexa. And that is one of my other favorites. I would highly recommend checking that out. Uh, if you've ever played any of those games in the past, it could be quite addicting. That's really cool. I mean, it, it, and it really does uh, speak to the potential for things that we can't even necessarily anticipate right now that could end up being either uh, – it, it could end up being something where you know people talk about for a little while. They're like, oh, that's really clever. It's a really neat use of the technology. Or it could truly be transformative. To the point where we didn't think about this, and now we can't think of what it, what life would be without it. I mean, that's the that's the cool uh, promise of this kind of tech is that it stands to be really disruptive uh, uh, for a, a type of technology that's been fairly set in its ways for the last several decades. And um, I, I love seeing this. I love the discussions about machine learning and artificial intelligence. I love the discussions about natural language and the challenges that we face when we try to create interfaces that can accept natural language as an input. Guys, I have to thank you so much for joining me on Tech Stuff. Uh, Dave, thank you. Josh, thank you. I really hope that uh, you enjoyed your time here. on, on uh, Dave, I, I know you're not actually in the studio, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll pick up my laptop and I'll, I'll just show you around in a minute. Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, being here today and having this conversation. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jonathan. It was a really stimulating conversation. Uh, thank yeah. you. And guys, like I said, if you want to learn more about developing for Alexa or you just want to kind of get a better idea of what's going on when you are using a device or a service with Alexa incorporated into it, and you're wondering, well, what's actually happening? Those, Like I said, those blog posts are really accessible. I've read a lot of developer blogs over the last 10 years, and uh, they are written in a way that is much easier to understand, even if you're coming in from a, a, a purely just, just a, an area of curiosity, much easier to understand than some of the other ones I've, inco- I've encountered. Oh, that, yeah. Thanks for that. That makes me uh, feel good. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I can't um, help but take personal. Not that uh, <laughs> you know. It's I am I am a budding uh, uh, podcaster, but just last week I did actually launch a uh, podcast along the same lines of just talking about Alexa. You know, similar to the blog post learning. Um, the first episode aired with Charlie Kindle, who runs our smart home. So it's me asking him, you know, what that team set out to accomplish so if you're if you're interested if you're if your listeners want to check it out it's bitly alexa dev chat 
or just look for Alexa Dev Chat on uh, iTunes or uh, Stitcher or TuneIn or any of the uh, various other podcatchers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic. I should also mention the video series for learning Alexa skill kit development. Um, Absolutely, just rolled out. Um, uh, at least yeah, the first two videos have rolled out, and um, I believe Amazon's planning on rolling all of them out in the next few days. Um, so those are going to be available online. If you search for, you know, Big Nerd Ranch Amazon training videos, you should you, you should be able to find it that way. Fantastic, yeah. guys! Thank you again, and uh, listeners out there, if you want to get in touch with me, you have a suggestion for a future episode, you got a follow up question, you want me to either run down Dave or Josh and ask them, or you know, just want to say hi. You can email me, address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com, or drop me a line on Twitter or Facebook. The handle for both of those is techstuffhsw, and I'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 